I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, at NFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group, at UK Packers. And as usual, of me old buddy. <laughs> right, JP Cock, what's going on? Well, I have to say that you nearly <laughs> lost your voice there, did you? You nearly <laughs> lost your voice. That's why I had to jump in. I didn't know if you Never. were going to get there, so I had to jump in. Are you all right? That sounded... Something went wrong. I had a... I think I've given myself a vocal for seconds. <laughs> you strained your vocal cords, I reckon. Mm. I think your singing career's over, mate. I know. Uh, so anyway. No more Justin Bieber for me. How are you, buddy? I'm all right. Do you know what? I've, I've had a... I don't know. It's bank holiday weekend. I've been sitting there thinking, mm. I'm a bit bored. What shall I do? Obviously, the draft's been on. That's great. But I yep. kind of got this little thought into my head. And now I think... I might try and learn how to ride a motorcycle. If, Just to sake, be random. It's the beard. Do you know what? You'll be getting tattoos wearing leather jackets next. If you tell me it's a Harley Davidson. Well, I was talking to one of the motorbike guys at work that's, uh, that wears his patch. Mm. And uh, he said you can get a brand new Harley Davidson uh, for less than £6,000. And it's true. Five and oh. a half grand. Hold on. No, hold on now. They want the big noisy yokes. Well, I don't like... know how big and noisy it is. It's called something like a Street 750 or something like that. Mm. And they're built in India. Yeah. Uh, and they're cheap, essentially. So you can look like a badass biker for under six grand? That's it, isn't it? So I'm thinking, now, this is the reservations I have about it, right? And I'm a 32-year-old guy mm. that's going to walk into some place and be like, hi, can you teach me how to ride a motorcycle? And he'll be like, oh, yeah, so you, you've been on one before. And I'll be like, no. Mm. Um what a brand Don't. new Harley! I've never, never been able to hear it. <laughs> yeah, and then, well, because I'm guessing you have to, you have to do the one day where you have to learn on a little bike that sounds like a an mm. overpowered hairdryer. Yeah, and then, and then sort of upgrade yourself. Mm. But yeah, I just can't imagine there'd be all these like 16 year old kids there with their little bikes like flying around, and there'd be this old old geezer that's not got a clue. Yeah, do you know what? But, it's it's like me and the lads used to play poker. There was always one lad who just kept saying, "No, oh, I can't make it." And then we found out that he just reached past the point where he didn't want to learn again because it had just seemed lame. Like every dude knows how to play poker and take off a bra one-handed. And then he just never... Maybe he can do the bra thing. I don't know. Maybe he can do it with his teeth. Maybe he can do it with his toes. I don't know. But he just never learned how to play poker and was too embarrassed at that stage to say, can you teach me? Because, you you know, he's going to come around the gaff and you're going to flee somewhere. What what do you reckon? I reckon me and you... We'll get somebody out. There must be somebody out there in UK Packers world that is a motorbike guy. I reckon teaches me and you how to ride a bike, mm. and then we can, we'll, we'll we'll write a book or something, and we'll we'll travel on our motorbikes across America, following the Green Bay Packers, and we'll turn it into a documentary series. It'll sell, I reckon. It's funny that you say that, right? Because I'm mad about this book called Jupiter Travels. Because I was mad about the series with you, McGregor, and Charlie Borman. You know where they go a long yep. way round, long way down. Unbelievable. Yep. And I, me and my brother had this pipe dream that we could do Route 66 on motorcycles and realize the most boring shit you could ever do. So then we're like, no, no, let's you know, let's go the length of Argentina. But then realize, you know, we've both got kids now and we don't want to die. And also, we've never ridden a motorcycle in our lives but I was looking up on the just motorcycle size. yeah just a tiny moot point so I was looking up the RS 1200 BMWs which apparently is like a bell-end bike it's one of those things that you know everyone wears the BMW <laughs> you know jacket and BMW cap and BMW keyring, and you've got a BMW tattoo on your mickey it's all you know it all comes as a package and you need that's, that's what those bikes are the big touring bikes and I'm a small dude like I wouldn't be able to hold up one of those big yokes apparently they're, they're meant to be insane but I like the idea if anybody out there wants to sponsor us, and by the way, yeah. but can I just mention something? We've had a bit of conflict of interest here. So, our podcast is sponsored by Cassidy M&E, Quantity Surveyors, who you still think to this day that they're accountants, okay? Yeah, but you if ring you... them up, you have some stuff, they come around, they survey it, and they say, I'll tell you how much you got. Yeah. That's okay. what I thought, they, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, it's like Rain Man, you know, he drops something stuff on like the floor, that. like Roast Krispies, they come over and count it. If yeah. you need a Quantity Surveyor who's a Packers fan, who has an excellent reputation, it's Cassidy M&E, Quantity Surveyors. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it, you, you don't need one. But we did get a message in from, I believe it was Dan Barnes, who said that he took a picture of the Five Point Brewing Company can and mm-hmm. said, here's the podcast sponsor slash enabler, um, and I'm drinking this at some gig or something. We just want to point out that that was definitely a Ryan Peacock, um, you know, alcoholic it was, it was a enabler. a personal sponsor. Yeah. yeah. 
which I was going to say, do you know what? Let's keep our integrity and, and, you know, our respect and say, let's not know, but screw that, right? If anybody wants to send stuff, you will probably get a shout out on the podcast. Let's just put it out there. Screw it, right? If you want, I have a second kid on the way, September. If you want to send me nappies, unused, by the way, they have to be brand new. I'm not taking any (laughs) of this sort of stuff in packages, right? So any new items, and I don't want your dingy old buggy or any of that, just send me free stuff or send Ryan free stuff. Ryan takes the alcohol. I'll take anything infant related, but mm. not an actual infant because I have another one coming and I you don't, don't want need any more. No, yeah. I'm fine for that. All right, that's all I'm saying. It's all I'm saying. But everybody has their price. Yeah, we do, and uh, errors tends to be quite low. But anyway, Ryan, I mean, as usual, we're faffing around here, man, and we have a we have you know the D guru on the line here on hold. Listen to us faffing on about motorbikes and the such. So should we bring in Andy Davies? Hey, what's going on, Andy? Jesus, celebrity status now with your guruness. Good evening, chaps. Good to speak to you again. Andy, you're not <laughs> matching my enthusiasm here. I mean, I you know, I'm super pumped about it and you come in acting Mr. Cool, but that's okay, because you're the guru. You're meant to probably be all the zen. The thing is, right? the well, he's got some it's... serious heat on Twitter as well, isn't he? You know, people are saying, oh, what, what's Andy Davies telling me? I'll believe anything this man tells me. <laughs> I saw one tweet that said... <laughs> Yeah. So I think you must have had a good showing on your on your pre pre draft podcast. Yeah, it's been a long weekend, chaps. You have to think that my energy levels have probably dropped to a a weekend low. Um, even with the bank holiday coming up, it's been a it's been a long few days. I've so enjoyed been it. In the pub, been in the pub all day, and now you just got <laughs> home. You're snoozing on the sofa. <laughs> yeah, you've got it. You've got it wrapped up pretty well there, I know. <laughs> and he isn't mentioning with this newfound fame, all these knickers being thrown in through the letterbox and all. He's trying to explain that to the wife. You know what I mean? It's been a stressful weekend, that's Andy. Yeah, I've been intercepting the postman. <laughs> Can you, yeah, look, that red lace number, just don't deliver it to the house, will you? But Andy, come here to me. Um, let's give it a grade because everyone's mad about the grade and we we put it out on uh, Twitter, didn't we, Ryan, for a poll about what people thought. We yeah. came in at about a B plus, did we? Well... The latest grade after I think oh, it was all said and done was forty eight percent was the highest, and they went for an A, oh. with eighteen percent at an A star or an A plus, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think we had twenty nine percent at a B, so it was yeah. that's that's roughly where it was. I think personally, I'd go a B plus. I don't know how you mm. guys feel. Yeah, I'd go B plus, but their opinions don't matter. Let's let's pass it back to the Buddha of uh, <laughs> of the draft and for the Packers. What do you think, Andy? Would you rate it that highly? Well, I would commit to. I would say it's better than the Bears. That's what I absolutely <laughs> would commit to. Ah, that's ironclad. <laughs> that is absolutely ironclad. Yeah, just, uh, just while we're on, quickly looking at, I just want to get your your point of view on this one. I saw today the Bears obviously had a pretty bad draft, and I know we'll probably talk a bit more about that. But Buffalo Bills, they've been graded as having a fairly decent draft, and yet they today they sacked their GM. I mean, is that not madness? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to know what's going on there. That is crazy, isn't it? It's like giving a Premier League manager a £100 million budget, isn't it, and saying, there, go yeah. spend all my money, and then the day after say, actually, see you later. It's down the road. Uh, crazy. That GM just built the team, and then they got rid of him, and somebody else is going to come in with potentially a different idea. Madness. But, yeah. So oh, is that what we're doing? We're going, do you know what? We had a good draft, uh, but we won't give it a letter. We'll simply say it was better than the Bears. Yeah, I think in terms of grading drafts, I, I hate to get sucked into that. You could throw any letter at it, couldn't you? A plus, B minus, whatever you want to say. But actually, the, the litmus test is probably two or three years down the line, isn't it? So when you're mm-hmm. looking at how people perform, that's when you tend to start grading it, really, isn't it? So I think it's too early to say, I'm happy. I think, I think the, um, the, the entire sort of, draft room did a great job over the weekend I think we've picked up some players our roster looks uh, it looks a lot more sort of athletic than it did sort of this time this time last week doesn't it so I think there's room for optimism and we've we've plugged gaps if that makes sense so I think most of the gaps have been plugged so certainly running back hmm. and um, yeah so I'm happy happy with who we've got um, a couple of what ifs but we'll probably talk about that in the next sort of 20 minutes or so I guess yeah because it seems that we definitely upgraded for speed if you look at most of these guys it's all about speed Ke- and I, know, I don't want to get into him too much now. We sort of we'll pull up right back to the start. But Kevin King, I know that they said that he wasn't too speedy, but not a bad uh, few combine numbers that he had. But what I want to get your your take on Andy is is round one. You predicted it, and Ryan seconded it that we traded in the first round. An awful lot of people stood up, got pretty pissed off. 
How did you know we were going to do it? And were you happy with the value that we got for doing it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just the way the board was stacked, wasn't it? So I think in terms of where the quality was, it was condensed into rounds two and three. So mm. in terms of value for your book, rounds two and three was where it was at. Yeah. So it just made perfect sense in terms of the value we're going to get. And, and just the way our roster was at the time, I think we needed quantity as well as quality as well so i think that uh, the intention was to try and build those picks up and and really utilize that that number of picks as well as sort of the quality of picks so i think it was a an easy call to make plus the fact he probably had a lot of suitors Mm. and the way the board was falling once sort of two or three quarterbacks dropped off in round one that's what ted meant when he said you know the board really worked in our favor because i think he knew that he probably had six or seven picks there that were all graded at the top of the second round where we ended up picking the only surprise to me is we didn't trade down again yeah. i thought yeah i thought the round two pick we were sat there over and i you know we would have fielded a whole host of calls uh, and it just surprised me that we didn't sort of step down another rung or two maybe five or six picks and and still yeah. pick up a quality player and and potentially get another three or four you know um pick yeah i'd have to say i agree with that um the, you would have to think that King was probably still been available if we'd have gone down a few. And if not, there was a number of good cornerbacks there. So they could have done it again. Um, but maybe it was all those tweets from all the angry European-based fans that stayed up till five in the morning that swayed it. <laughs> I think potentially King could have gone to Seattle. So I get that bit of it. And mm-hmm. I know, Steve, you were in love with King, weren't oh, you? Yeah, I, fun, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not sure. I think he'll I think he'll pan out okay. He wasn't my favourite, but I, I get the reasoning why. And, and <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not overly upset that we took him, but I thought there was um, probably potentially better cornerbacks further down the line that we could have picked up. But hey, uh, you know, they're, they're sort of far better at me in terms of, you know, speaking to this guy and finding out what he's all about. So I'm happy enough with the pick. I'm just surprised we didn't trade down again. I would like to have seen that. Yeah, I sure. mean, I, I was happy enough just for the size because what I was sick of, Andy, to be honest, and this is coming from a short chap, um, so, you know, it's it's not a biased thing for being super tall. That That's definitely Ryan's uh, job, I would say. Uh, you know, I was sick of seeing the likes of the Seahawks draft big CBs um, and then, you know, up, up against these big, massive wide receivers now, and especially tight ends as well, that it almost looked like, you know, wide receivers could just come down with the ball as they wanted to get they had that height advantage i mean look we had megatron in the division for how long and he was coming down on triple coverage with the ball now he was a special talent but at the same time it looked like we just couldn't stack up height wise so i'm glad that we've went for the six foot three so he's one inch taller than our next tallest cornerback which was ladarius gunter who in fact had the better season last year and i don't know if that's a coincidence andy between injuries and the like or whether it was something to do with his height I don't know, but it, I was just happy that they, they went that direction and that they kind of broke the mold to a degree. Because I know when we did talk about it, you know, you were saying, yeah, of course, it's a possibility, but it, they, it doesn't fit the prototype of, of what TT goes for. Um, but overall, you are happy, right? Because let's look at the first rounders from the last couple of years and how they panned out. Nick Perry, a uh, bit wishy-washy at the start, you know, came good. Dayton Jones, gone. Kenny Clark unproven Demarius Randall again because isn't there a caveat there as well Andy like here's Demarius Randall two years ago got drafted first round had a fairly solid first season for a rookie fell off a cliff last season and now hopefully can come back that he's not injured is that just the nature of the NFL with these cornerbacks that you can't always predict they're going to be a lock because I see online that people are saying that Kevin King is going to be a starter. He's going to beat out the rest of them for the starter's job. And they start showing all of the wide receivers who are tall who he's going to match up against. Is that a bit presumptuous that a rookie's going to come in and cover the best tall wide receiver of the opposition? Is that madness? Uh, I don't think it is. And I think they've already stated, haven't they? They expect this draft crop to come in and make an immediate impact. Mm. So you've got to think that the number one pick's got to be at the uh, forefront of that. Uh, I think he will. I think he'll, he'll line up on one side. I think House will line up on the other side. And I think you two, you know, you two second year guys from last year, Rollins and Randall, are going to be uh, man in the slot. Yeah. Because I think that's potentially where their, their strengths both lie, particularly in Randall's case. I just want to see what those two guys can do when they're fully fit. You've got to think that last year they both were carrying significant injuries, you know, listening to guys out of the locker room talk and listening to some of the sort of coaching staff. I, I really think that they were they were both struggling with injuries big time. So it'd be interesting to see if they can get a sort of full, clean bill of health, how they can perform them together with the uh, the two new guys, King and House. Yeah. 
I was looking, I'll tell you what I always like to do, I've done it the last few years, is go back through and see what the scouts were saying about a player before he was drafted. And uh, certainly this year, and on King, it seems to be there's almost complete polar opposites on different scouts' opinions of the mm. guy. And um, But there was one thing that sort of stuck with me, a bit of a th- theme, is that potentially this guy struggles in tackling. Now, we saw that a bit with Tremont Williams going back a few years ago mm. where he didn't seem to be able to tackle in the open field. Um, so, I don't know, do you think this guy could be a day one player from, from the start slot straight in? Because there was, there was another comment about if you look at the game tape, not a first-round pick, but if you look at his combine, he's top 10. You know, so... Are we overhyping him, or has somebody overhyped him? In in your opinion, would he would he plug in day one, or do we think this is going to be a guy that really needs to develop and play no, I later? Think he'll, I think he'll play from day one. I think he'll play from day one. I don't put too much stock on on the combine. You know, running down Indianapolis official turf for forty yards to me is not a, a sign of whether this guy can play ball or not. Uh, some of the footage I do like is a bit like to go to Steve's point really in the end zone I think he's going to be very effective in red zone coverage because of his mm-hmm. height uh, I think he reacts to the ball well in the air um, in terms of his, his body shape and the way he sort of plays the ball as opposed to the man but it, you know, at the end of the day at Washington he was the second best cornerback Yeah. so you, you need to think about that and the other guys you know he's got a Sidney Jones has got an Achilles injury but actually you know, sure. the way the coaches talked about Sidney Jones matched up with the number one receiver although they'd like to sort of tell you differently he actually did Hmm. And um, out of the two cornerbacks, Sidney Jones was graded probably far higher. Yeah. So when you look at where he ended up getting picked, sort of somewhere down round two, wasn't it? I think it was. Um, I, I think King's okay. I just think that there's, there was potentially other things we could have done. And I think it'll work out. I think he'll start day one. I would like to think he'll have a sort of solid career with the Packers. Um, his tackling for me is not the issue. He's more of a sort of shoestring tackler, isn't he? So he's not a sort of stand them up push them back kind of guy he's a real sort of he goes down low he's he's quite narrow isn't he in the calves and the thigh I think he's quite sort of slender isn't he so he's six feet and that's just his he tackles to his body type yeah exactly yeah yeah Yeah. fair enough I think all in all it's a good pick isn't it let's face it it's a good pick I think everybody was happy we filled a need yeah, I mean, in terms of being a day one starter, when you're looking at the Packers, to be fair, me and Steve were going to fly out because we thought we had a shot at one point last season. <laughs> so <laughs> he's probably going to walk into this team and, and, and let's hope he, d- he does a great job. Yeah, he's definitely an upgrade, isn't he? So what, in terms of, you talked about Gunter, didn't you? So I think in terms of, he could probably run backwards and um, beat Ladarius in a foot race. So mm. we've definitely got an upgrade there, I think. Yeah, and they said that he wasn't too fast, but then at the combine, they say that he killed it. He ran a 4.4340. But another thing that strikes me about this, and we move on to the number 61 pick in the second round then again, which was a safety for the Packers, Josh Jones. What Josh Jones and Kevin King seem to have in common is, and and it's something that uh, I think maybe Bodie has highlighted on the last podcast, is that the Packers like players that can play at multiple positions. So we've seen King, they're saying that he can play from safety to slot corner to outside corner. And they're saying that Josh Jones, sometimes in his college career, dropped in at the inside linebacker uh, role, yeah. kind of similar to what Burnett was doing when they were playing the nickel defense last year. Yeah. So uh, Josh Jones, because uh, again, pre-prod, if we can call it pre-prod, it's it's a bit of a banter sesh. We, the three of us were in a convo when the draft was going on and there was loads of messages bantering around. And you rate Josh Jones pretty highly, do you, this safety? And you really do expect good things from him. Yeah, awesome pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked to you guys last week about the, the safety crop as a whole, didn't I? And yeah. when you look at rounds one and two, you, everyone's waxing lyrical about the cornerbacks. The same amount of safeties were taken in rounds one and two as there were cornerbacks. So it just sort of does justify what I was trying to say last week that I thought the safety crop was actually better than the cornerbacks and they were probably a little bit overrated. Yeah. Um, and they were dropping off the board in pretty quick fashion round two. It was four or five guys that all went. And I think Josh Jones was the last of what I would potentially think would be future pro ball players. I think he's awesome. He's quick. Wow. He's aggressive. He's um, like you guys have just described. He can play in multiple roles. Um, I think he's... He's probably come in sort of from outside the limelight, so I don't think he's got you know national exposure at, at a big scale. But this guy can play. You watch his tape or, or watch what they do. I think all those four safeties that come off um, round two are going to be special players in the NFL. And I think we've got ourselves a little diamond there. Yeah, there's some. I don't know uh, if if you guys would agree with me, but I don't feel like we've had a say. A bit like with our tight end situation, where until sort of 
with Jared Cook coming along and, and now Bennett, we'd never really replaced Finley. I certainly feel that at safety, we've never really replaced Nick Collins since he was unfortunately injured and had to retire from the game. Do you think Josh Jones is the guy that can finally come in and, and, and fill that gap? Yeah, I think he'll play more because we talked about that sort of hybrid role that I think Morgan Burnett's going to play um, in the coming season, which will then free up that safety role to sit next to Haha. And I think he's perfect, absolutely perfect in terms of what we want to do. And I think we can mix it up as well. I think he's more than capable of playing in the slot and sort of blitzing from the edge. You watch the guy tackle; he he lays the boom. He really does. He's not a, yeah. he's not he's not a wrap up tackler. He he tries to kill people, and um, I think he'll be popular in, in Green Bay. There was there was an interview on uh, Packers.com with Mike McCarthy, and he backs up uh, sort of Stevens Stevens' point about the multiple positions, and he says, and he actually names, you know, with Micah Hyde leaving, he was a he was a guy that played multiple positions. This is something that we believe Josh Jones can do. Now I know that's not word for word because I'm just telling you by memory, but that is uh, it, it on on the surface of it, and from from that from those comments from Mike McCarthy. Um, it would look like that was certainly in mind was to, was to have him do that and come in and be, and be capable of replacing the role that Micah Hyde had. Yeah, I tell you what, yeah, I think- I'm excited about this, Andy, right? It's already cut across. I'm super excited about this because of that reason that they've pretty much just plugged in a faster version of Micah Hyde and a harder hitting version of Micah Hyde. I think what they're expecting of this guy is, is to play him close to the line of scrimmage, like you say, bring him in on blitzes. Um, and he's he is the sort of hybrid uh, linebacker role and because he hits so hard I think that they can depend on him because isn't that something that we've all got pissed off with the Packers at uh, defensively sometimes is not wrapping up going for the big hit but I think this guy has good fundamentals so yeah super excited about this guy uh, wasn't too sad to be honest when Micah Hyde uh, was gone because I think he was almost too much of a utility player now whether that was by design the Packers just didn't they had to bring him in on certain packages. I don't know, but um, I'm, look, uh, an upgrade for me. And that's big talk because I know he's only a rookie. Let's see how he actually plays. But for me, at the moment, that's how I'm seeing him. Yeah, I think Hyde was consistent, wasn't he? So what you got with Micah Hyde was week in, week out, you got consistency. You mm. can't knock that. But the price, I think, Buffalo have paid is way over what we could have afforded and B would want to pay for Micah Hyde. Yeah. With Josh Jones, your ceiling is, is unlimited, I think. So I think you'll see some rookie inconsistencies you get you get that with every rookie don't you but i think longer term i think you will have a special player on hands mm. and i mean as fast as kevin king was running the 4.43 uh it was ran in 4.41 40 yard dash for josh jones so this guy make no mistake is a fast dude and speaking of fast and this is what i'm sort of saying at the top of the pod that they went for fast defensive players and again they went for at you know three players in a row even more, in fact, uh, on the defense. But round three, pick 93, Montrevious Adams. This guy, he weighs 304 pounds. He's six foot three and a half. And he ran a 4.87 40-yard dash at the combine for such a big dude. I mean, I don't know if I could run it in 4.87. This this guy is, he looks like a bit of a beast. But um, what do you you make of this guy, lads? I mean, do you see this guy as, you know, a smash mouth type of dude? Or is he just going to be a solid defensive player on the line? Um, I don't. I always feel with with this position, it's, it's it's a difficult one to draft, and it's very hard to to hit regularly in this position. Mm. Uh, again, obviously, this is more your area, Andy, in terms of the draft. But I always just feel like sometimes teams can draft and draft and draft these players, and you get a guy that comes in, does a bit of a job, but it's hard to be a real dominant force in there, especially in an hour three four. Um, so it would be interesting to see what he can come in and do. Obviously, we've got um, the other guy, Kenny Clark, uh, uh, that, that's still sort of hanging about in, in that area too. Um, so we're certainly getting younger, uh, and and it's an interesting pick for me. But I don't I don't know. It's it's not an exciting position, but I think it's it's, it's a player that could be exciting for us if that makes sense. Yeah, I think Ryan sums it up well, isn't it? I think um, in a three-four, um, you never you, you've got gap discipline to think about as opposed to you know sack the QB. Mm. So in our defense, it's not necessarily as sexy as some defenses are. However, I had Adams graded as a round one all day, um, top twenty pick. I, I think he's 
got some special tools and I think that um I was shocked to see him there at round three. So so for me I never even considered him as a first round pick. I think that we had greater needs, but certainly in terms of picking him in round three, I I thought he'd be long gone. So to find him there at um you know where we were in round three was was a bit of a shocker for me and a, and a good shock in a good way. Mm. I think when you look at yeah. lining him up next to Daniels and Kenny Clark, we've got a serious front three there. You know. Yeah. Would you say that with this guy, because every draft has a steal, every draft has a reach uh, and a balls up that's been been uh, taken by the Bears this year. But is this could this potentially be the steal of the draft then? I think he's going to be so valuable to us in so many ways. So if think about sort of goal line D, if you think about um, rotational, how he can use the five technique, how he can play inside. Uh, I, I think he's he's very he's got a lot of raw edges as well that we do well in terms of coaching. So I think he's he sometimes struggles to keep his pads low. So I think if we can coach that out of him and get him to work at a lower level, I think he'll be more effective even so. And you always hear that word as well, don't you? It's an NFL buzzword about motor about, yeah. you know, in terms of motivation, he's not always going full out. If you get to Green Bay and you're not going full out, you're not going to be there long. So if we can fix the motor and we can fix the keeping the pads low, I think he could be pretty special. So, um, yeah, I think he's our steal of the draft. To be there around three for me was a bit of a bit of a shock, um, but a pleasant one. So if we take a look at the D-line then, I mean, Andy, what, what do you think? Have we... Have we sort of replaced the talent that has left? We've signed defensive end Ricky Dream Francois. Then we have Montrevious Adams. Is Adams, a, could he be a day one starter? Or do you think that, no, we're too deep. He's going to have to sit behind some of the lads before he comes in. And do you think that we are stronger than we were last year on the D-line? I think we're stronger and I think we'll uh, we'll see some different names. I think week, well, so what time, what week does Latroy guy on suspension finish? Week four, is it? Mm. So that'll be the week. week. Yeah. yeah, so that's going to be the week that defines which which direction our D-line goes. But I would expect to see um, Adams in the rotation. But you know how we play. We play different, you know, big Oki, nickel defense and all that sort of stuff. So there's so many different sort of formations that we line up. I would expect to see him in the rotation and probably get about sort of 20 to 25 snaps a game. Yeah, and that this was our second last defensive player of the draft. We went super heavy at the start. I think it's the first time since 2012 per Rob Domofsky that Ted Thompson has used when when he used his first six picks back then to go for so many defensive players at the start. And this is one that I know Ryan's pumped about. Not only does Ryan have the same hairdo as this dude, uh, but round four, uh, pick 108, Vince Beagle. Watch out, Beagle is about so uh, son of Jeremy. Uh, so people are pretty pissed off when we passed up on TJ Watt. But again, Rob Domofsky says it beautifully in his piece that if you look at Vince Beagle versus TJ Watt, is there really that much of a difference? No. No, and I think with this one, it's something, someone that I was looking at, and I think I originally said TJ Watt was potentially too... I thought our pick would be... And it turns out we traded it anyway, but our pick would be too early for him, mm. but he maybe wouldn't be there by the second... Um, I think Andy, you and Steve both said on the last podcast, you know, would we be talking that much about TJ if it wasn't for his surname? Um, and yeah, I think if you line these two guys up, there's not a great deal of difference between them. Um, in terms of, you know, the, the probably the only issue I think is he had some injuries in college, but hopefully won't won't be too much of an issue. But if you speak to anybody that watches Wisconsin, quite often... Um, he was as productive as TJ Watt. Quite often he took the double team, um, defended him. Um, he can be something really special uh, on the outside. Now, he's quite small. He probably needs to get a bit bigger to come in and play the NFL position. Mm. Um, but I'm sure, you know, he, he'll be doing that and working on that in the offseason. He could be. I'm quite excited about it. I think I'm going to go out and get a number 45 Beagle jersey. Uh, <laughs> will be my next purchase because... I love to get excited about the Wisconsin guys coming into Green Bay. Mm. And it's a great story, isn't it? So I think you know, the Wisconsin connection and all that, I think it's a brilliant story. Ryan, you were all over it on the on the pre-draft podcast. Half of the Packer Nation was all over it once TJ Watt had gone. So, you know, fingers crossed it all works out for him. I think athletically, I think you, you know, touched upon it then. I think we are he's a little bit short. And I think that we are also still a little bit short in terms of the linebacking core. That's probably the only 
downside of the entire draft for me is that we didn't upgrade the linebacking course significantly in terms of athletes, but but in terms of the Beagle story, I think it'll be fantastic if he can, you know, have a great career with the Packers. Yeah, and I think it's great as well, those pictures you see of him in the green and gold as a kid. You know, he's a genuine Absolutely. Green Bay fan, local guy. I mean, it just feels good, doesn't it? It's a, it's a real shame Abraderis never worked out, um, but this guy can be the feel-good story in Wisconsin, I think. Yeah, I think the only downside for me with with a four pick was that we didn't trade out of that pick. So we must really like him because I think there would have been the phone would have been red hot, wouldn't it, on the on the on the sort of on the morning of that day because I think the number four pick that yeah. we had there first up was um, you know highly prized. Yeah, I don't know how how many days did we I don't know if anyone knows this, but how many days did we go into it where we were the first pick of that round? So he had loads of time to think about it. Um, he, did, he certainly did a great job, and with, now that the twice was it? Twice was it yeah, and the, the compen yeah comp- Friday and Saturday yeah was it yeah, and the compensatory picks then being traded this year ended up resulting in something like thirty seven or thirty six or thirty seven I think uh, picks being traded, which is the most since the draft since they've been doing the draft. So they're saying that you know it's having a real impact with these compensatory picks. Um, so it was super interesting to see the amount of people doing wheeling and dealing. Uh, Del Boy would be proud, but it's it's brilliant that Rob Domofsky's piece actually when he sort of looks at the comparison between T.J. Watt and Vince Beagle and says that, um, you know Vince Beagle ran a slightly faster forty uh, than T.J. Watt. He benched the same amount as T.J. Watt. It was his vertical jump, which is exactly what you lads are saying, was considerably shorter. So he had a thirty three point five inch uh, vertical jump versus what's 37 so if anything's going to get him it's going to be that height but we certainly need more uh, with regards to pass rush uh, with the loss of Julius Peppers is gone Dayton Jones is gone Nick Perry is on fire so hopefully he'll continue that now with this mega deal Clay Matthews I don't think is uh, you know what he once was so let's take a look at that then so Vince being the outside linebacker does that really spell that they're going to move Clay back inside again is that a controversial thing to do or is that a necessary thing to do now because he is declining? He's definitely going to be um, a more of a roving linebacker than the outside linebacker of old, isn't he? I think those mm-hmm. days are long gone. Um, so I would su- suggest that potentially 50% of the time he's going to be lined up inside anyway. I also think that McCarthy's indicated very strongly that Morgan Burnett's going to be playing in that sort of um, hybrid role, isn't he? So I think we are going to, again, we're going to scheme to cover up our deficiencies, which was the sort of point I made last week, really, that I would like to have seen somebody that could sort of stay on the field for three downs. But I think we're going to scheme around that with Matthews and Burnett. And, and I think the guys, the young guys that we've got, the Fackwells and the, the J. Rowan Elliott's of this world are going to be given the, the office to try and create pressure on the outside. And I guess Beagle's going to join those guys and, mm. and see, what, see how it pans out. Yeah, I think you'll probably be inside more. I think they'll see him moved around because I, I still have to say, right, for, for he had a negative, he had a lot of negative press, didn't he, on Twitter and so on. Mm-hmm. And I know what that gets like. And sometimes it does get a bit out of hand. Um, where people were saying, no, he's, he's, he's a waste of a position on the outside. Well, he's not because he still has that respect. He still garners that respect amongst anybody that has to block him. So as soon as you put him there and they see 52 on the outside, mm. they have to play him as 52, right? Everybody knows who it is. He still has that reputation. So he still gives you some value in putting him out there, even if he doesn't necessarily have the moves on moves that he used to once have. Now, he's by no means done. Um, now, as he's maybe maybe he's slowed down or lost half a step, then he can go into the middle. He can change his game. Um, Charles Woodson quite famously changed his game and did quite all right doing it. You know, there, there are plenty of players out there that can change what they do slightly and still be effective. So Matthews will be fine. I'm I'm a bit, my, if, if I guess, and I know we're about to get onto running backs and wide receivers and everything else that we took in the draft, but I think my disappointment with it is that we took so many um, running backs and, and I didn't feel we need to take two receivers either. We probably could have looked to have taken an, another pass rusher, whether that be a D end or an outside linebacker. That'd be probably my only negative from the draft. But which again is a, is a neat segue. So, I mean, this a bit of a weird story, and it, this was odd for me as well. Sometimes when you look at the draft and you see when some of these players go, and you see the records that they had previously, and which brings us to round four, pick one thirty four, Jamal Williams, running back for BYU. He finished as BYU's career rushing leader with 3,901 yards. Um, all these, they said off the field issues, but the only thing I can see is is that he brought a girl into his room, 
had a bit of you know brought it to Boomtown, uh, the same kind of as Jones maybe, <laughs> yeah. but he's he's did his off the field. He, you know, he's a hard hitter apparently. Um, so you know, fourteen running backs were taken before this dude, and I don't think bringing a girl into a room is that big yeah, a deal. They, but then you know, I didn't go to a Mormon place. Bing, they've said that Bingham Young University has a ridiculously strict honor policy, is what yeah. they call it. And he essentially broke that honor policy because he brought a girl back and, and you know, wanted to play her some music and, and, and you know, sit her down to dinner. Um, and because <laughs> of that, that's why he got into trouble. To do a no-pants um, so dance. Let's face it, if that was at another university or college across the country, I mean, I think, you know, if, if it was um, in the in the university that Johnny Manziel was out, I think they used to bring him <laughs> girls to keep him happy. So it's <laughs> it's really, it's not, off, it's not off the field issues at all, is it? It's just, it's a very strict university. I guess he broke the rules. He knew what they were, but it's, it's nothing to worry about. And if that really made him drop that much, I'd be surprised. No, you're not going to find Johnny's and the Jacks in BYU's university, that's for sure. Uh, I'd say rag week is pretty dry and tame. Um, they said, they asked him what did the team say to him when, you know, they said to him, look, you, you broke the honor code violation. And he said, quote, most of them laughed, unquote. So that's kind of how serious people took it. So I don't think it was because of that off-field issue that he dropped so low. Andy, uh, great value for the Packers here at running back. Yeah, of all the players in the uh, the draft, I watched Jamal Williams more than anybody else from Christmas onwards. I, yeah. I thought he was a you know almost certainty to come to the Packers. To be honest, I thought we got him in round five. We got him in round four. Um, he's in terms of his size, in terms of the way he carries himself, his running style, the sort of bruising back type that we need in in, in Wisconsin in December. Yeah. I thought he was made for the Packers. I didn't think we'd we'd go high, which is why all the sort of conjecture around. Um, the, the running backs at the top of the draft, I didn't think that was going to sort of pay out. But I think the guy, Jamal Williams, and the ones we picked up afterwards, Aaron Jones as well, uh, and even Devontae Mays, I thought were all sort of live candidates. I just didn't expect we'd get all three. Yeah, it, <laughs> it is weird. I suppose, do you know what? Let, let's sort of break with how we're doing it and let's talk about all these running backs because, you know, it, it's very hard to sort of separate them out and say, you know, who's going to make the team, who isn't. Aaron Jones was selected in the fifth round. Uh, he's a running back from UTEP, uh, military rat, uh, military kid. Um, and then we have Devontae Mays running back at a Utah State uh, around 7 to 38 Oops. in the pick there. Now, the Packers selecting three running backs, the last team, I think the last time that the Packers actually uh, did it was back in 1974. So <laughs> it's unprecedented. And the, the last team that did it was the Seahawks, in fact, which was last year when they took CJ Procise, Alex Collins and Zach Brooks. Why did we do it, Andy? Because I know that they, they said, no, Andy, why did we do it, Andy? Answer us now. I uh, know <laughs> you don't know. I know you, you <laughs> no, don't actually. I'll tell you why they did it, Steve, because all three will make the team. Do you so think so? One of, one of them ends up on the practice squad. Absolutely, yeah. So you can write that down. All three will make the team. So who's Jamal, not going to be on the team? Um, Michael. think so, yeah. Wow. Yeah, abs- okay. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And I think Montgomery will be the day one starter because, you know, McCarthy's yeah. come out and said that today, hasn't he? That, yeah. you know, Montgomery's yeah. our starter and that's the way. But Jamal Williams will get 10, 12 carries a game. I think Aaron Jones will be used on third downs in, in luxury packages with the likes of Montgomery because he's got speed on speed. The guy is quick. He's excellent out of the backfield. He's, he's a tremendous catcher on third down. And the guy to watch is um, Devontae Mays. If you watch some of his footage from sort of two years ago, uh, the guy is elusive. He's, he's a real watch. He's a real yeah. sort of easy on the eye. And I can't see any way that he's not some way, you know, entwined in the Packers roster, whether it's on the practice squad or whether he's on the live, um, you know, 53. Yeah. But I, I think all three make the team. Okay, I so think... at the, the moment then, so you're saying that day one starter, you got Ty Montgomery. And I don't know if you guys have seen the pictures of him working out. That dude has grown. I mean, his <laughs> yeah, yeah. chest and his shoulders are suddenly massive. He's ripped at the minute. So he's clearly going as running back because he's starting to look like one now. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're saying he's day one starter. Christine Michael, you're saying, is going? Cut? I, I don't – well, you're asking me the, the four running backs, but I think we'll keep one full back, which would be Ripkowski, won't it? Whether yeah. he keeps the luxury special teams, the likes of Kerridge, you can – that'll sort of all pay out in terms of the numbers won't it but I think in terms of the four running backs I think it'll be Montgomery and then you've got Williams <clears throat> Jones and, and Mays haven't you um, and I guess you've got the guy from last year there who was yeah. he Don Jackson did we have Don Jackson was probably in the mix but I, I, I'm, I'd be more than happy with those four guys as the active day roster for, for, wow. for week one yeah absolutely I like Christine Michael I still think if Christine Michael gets a good off season of work I think he can be a, 
be a main player in our in our offense. But yeah, I like him. Yeah, that's not to say I like him, but there's some difficult decisions get made, isn't it? And and typically when the Packers come to the crunch and they have to make a decision based on it, the younger, cheaper player always gets the nod. That's quite true, yeah. Yeah, and we know Ted Thompson listened to the podcast. So, Ted, there you go. We're after handing it to you. This is the words yeah. of at <laughs> uh, Shrew on Twitter. Do you not think, though, uh, this feels a little bit like we don't... I don't know. You said to me we've got three very good running backs in the draft, but I kind of feel like a little bit... Is it sort of like really sort of backing up your bets, if you know what I mean? We, it's kind of... We're going to... We're gonna, Bet yeah. on a horse race, and we're going to put money Back on every three. horse, if you know what yeah. I mean, because well, that, that's the easiest way of making sure we get one winner, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, that kind of, it feels a little desperate when we had some other positions we maybe could have looked at. And <laughs> like I know we have all the issues in the secondary last year, and we've addressed that with Kevin King and Josh Jones, and hopefully the other guys from last year will bounce back a bit. But if we still can't get a decent pass rush, the secondary will still continues to struggle. And I just feel like going after three running backs and the two receivers stopped us maybe picking up another player we, we needed. So there's two things for me. I think that the, the three running backs, there's reasons for, for all three why they dropped as far as they did. One of the reasons is that running backs no longer considered a sort of high round priority, is it, for a lot of teams. Sure. You look at the injury problems that Mays had, you look at some of the sort of um, schools that the guys played in, there's, there's reasons why all three dropped whether it's Jamal Williams off the field issues that weren't, weren't really issues were they to be honest mm. um, no. but it's worked in the Packers favour so I get your point around are we just throwing three darts at the board and hoping one of them sticks well actually no because there's, there's really room for all three on the roster I think the wide receiver point is probably the one isn't it that one of those guys won't end up on the active roster and potentially both of them won't so there's probably where your luxury picks fits in and yeah. it, but, but the other side of that is okay so we needed an outside linebacker between round and five and seven, I can't see anybody there that was picked that I'd think, oh, yes, they would have made a difference yeah. on our team. So there lies your best player available sort of process, isn't it, from, yeah. from yeah. Ted Thompson. He's took the best player he believes to be available. So yeah. in the case of the two wideouts, I think Yancey, I flagged him up prior to the draft. Mm. He, he came in for a visit. He's got great measurables, six to 200 pounds. You know, he's, he's, he runs crisp routes. He's got good hands. Uh, and in Dupree, uh, probably less ability, but he's a good red zone threat. And uh, I think they'll stash him away on the practice squad. Yeah. He's a little bit, he's a little Fair. bit more pedestrian, um, not as sharp out of his roots and, and probably lucky to be drafted. I think he probably could have been there as a free agent, but I think he'll be end up on the practice squad. Um, so if you can see an outside linebacker or a defensive end that's, Hey, look, 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 look. I've, I've seen the love you're getting on Twitter. Steve, there's no way I'm going to disagree with Andy, no. is there? No. Come on. I mean, that, that, that'd just be crazy. Look, I think, I think you're absolutely right as well. I guess when you're looking at rounds five to seven, the difference between those guys and the top sort of level undrafted free agents is probably quite minimal. And you're right. And, and obviously every team then goes out, don't they? And they, they sign, you know, 10, 15, 20 more guys off the undrafted pile. And, you know, maybe we get something out of there. So, all right, fair enough. I tried to disagree with you. I'll, sh- I'll get back in my box. No, no, I think you're right. I think it, 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 when you look at it on paper, doesn't it? It does feel like it, we've heavily yeah. lopsided in terms of it's a bit of a luxury pick. And I think probably the seventh pick, Dupree, was probably that. But I think sometimes in round seven, they just throw, you know, they just throw it out there, don't they, and take the best player available as opposed to looking at positions of need. And I, I, yeah. I'm sure there will be. I'm sure there'll be players that come out of defensive end and linebacker that turn out to be really sort of valuable contributors but for me I, I don't see anyone that stands out so he gets a pass for that reason only yeah <laughs> and again you're not alone Ryan because I did see that flying around um, the internet all over Twitter saying that it was kind of dartboard stuff uh, but like Andy pointed out he brings absolute reason to it I tell you if I came in from the outside and I was dripping wet and I said Jesus it's raining out there and Andy said no it isn't I'd go you're dead right um, I'd have to believe him but it's yeah it's a third time Thompson's taken two running backs in the same draft so he did it in 2007 with Brandon Jackson and Sean Wynn and 2013 with Eddie Lacey and Jonathan Franklin and each time he found one dude uh, who lasted the business um, so we've we've touched on there the wide receivers which is Maliki Dupree, who again, they said that he has calibre there, um, and also D'Angelo Yancey. Yancey is an interesting one, isn't he? He's, as you said, Andy, he's a big dude, six foot two, 205 pounds. They said that he didn't run a great um, you know, 40-yard dash time. He wasn't invited, I don't think, to the combine, so he had his pro day, and he ran a pretty slow um, pro day. 
uh, 40 speed but like looking at some of his stats I mean he averaged 19.4 yards per catch in his senior year um, he actually played against Wisconsin last year 6 catches 155 yards and 2 touchdowns um, is this guy that you're thinking is he a practice squad fodder uh, or do you do actually are you super high on this guy and think that we got an absolute steal in round 5 uh, I think he'll fight it out with uh, the legs of Trevor Davis and Allison and Janice for the for the fourth receiver spot, I really do. So I think it'll be an interesting battling camp. But I think he has a he has a real shot to make the team. Absolutely, I think we'll keep six wides. Would that be would that be fair to say? Three tight ends, mm. six wides. That's probably the way we go this year. And I'd be surprised if he's not one of our best six. Um, I think well, Dupree will end up on the practice squad. Um, I yeah. think you know, yeah, there's some. Trevor Davis has got to prove himself. Can he stay injury free? And can he is he big enough to stand the rigors of the NFL? He's got all the speed in the world, but you need to sort of you need to be on the field come Sunday afternoon to sort of yeah fulfill that. And Janice, you know, you know my love for Janice, but absolutely he's got to be a special teams demon or he's got to sort of start making Aaron Rodgers trusting him a little bit more. Something needs to sort of break there, doesn't it, for him to carry on. So it'll be an interesting off season for, for him and for the wide receiver core. The thing is, as well, which you have to you have to always remember, and I know I've said it before with other positions, is that Aaron Rodgers can always make any player a hell of a lot better. And this guy's gone come from Purdue, and there's no disrespect of the Purdue Boilermakers, um, but you know I I couldn't tell you the name of the quarterback there, um, but I shouldn't imagine they've had sort of a real top level quarterback since Drew Brees left Purdue. So um, he's going to go from. I don't want to say a small college, but certainly not one of the premier colleges, universities in the Big Ten, with a QB thrown to him that is not even a touch on Aaron Rodgers. He could come into here, get some reps, get some chances, and go up another level because of the people around him. So he's certainly an intriguing prospect. Yeah, I think I read somewhere that the Boilermakers had won five games in the last two years. So he's not come from a, a winning program. So like mm-hmm. you say, Ryan, I think Aaron Rodgers elevates the performance of everybody around him, doesn't he? So mm-hmm. I think the guy's got good size. He's got a good frame. He's, you know, 19.4 yards a catch. Says to me that he's a little bit better than slow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, we've so we spoke about the running backs, three of them wide receivers, too. It only leaves one pick left to talk about, and it sort of makes you us double back into, into round six. So, <laughs> I mean, 13 drafts, TT as general manager, and only in one of those years, which was 2015, did he not take an O-lineman. He loves his O-lineman. He likes his late O-linemans. And we got another one uh, in the 212th pick, which is Kofi Amicia. Um, this guy, big dude, 6'4", 291 pounds, um, but again, not expected to play straight away. If if even, do you reckon he makes the squad? Then I mean, because we signed uh, Jerry Evans last week, um, surely has to replace TJ. Um, so is this guy someone that you see still on the squad, Andy? Do you know anything about him? You know, it, was he worth the pick? I know little about him. I didn't see any tape of him. Um, I knew he'd been in for a visit with the Packers. So obviously, any any player that sort of makes a visit, you sort of put on your radar. Um, I, I, you know, in terms of the college, so I know they've got some connections with South Florida there, so that that was another sort of tick in the box. But um, I just knew they'd taken O lineman pretty late in the day, particularly that round. And um, he seems on tape after sort of sort of post the draft, he looks quite quick on his feet for a six foot four, three hundred and ten pound dude. Yeah, um, provides depth at a position that we need depth in. So yeah, uh, it's a good one for me. Yeah, yeah. And you said they're really taking O lineman. So yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah, <laughs> and they did. Yeah, yeah. I think, a... I think he played both positions. Carney, he's played tackle yeah. and guard as well. So again, it fixes that versatility mold, doesn't it? So yeah, positive. Yeah, and the Packers love a guy they can move around. Do you know, there's a bit on. Um, it's it's funny, and we spoke about in the last podcast about reading the comments on some of these articles, and uh, I was trying to check out this guy, and I found a bit of some comments and. Um, it's great. There's a, a Bears fan, quite clearly, by his profile picture, who's, uh, who's who starts going, oh, who's this guy? No one's heard of this guy. Uh, Ted Thompson's got another one wrong. And then underneath, <laughs> there's probably another 300 comments. Of, How's that trade working out for you? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. I don't, know, I don't know if that Bears fan just missed the point on on that trade. But, yeah, certainly that, that was an easy comeback for, it looks about, 350 comments. <laughs> 
<laughs> and the thing is, as well, isn't it? When you looked at that, I think I saw that as well. Is why would you diss anybody's round six pick? No, you know, no. <laughs> it's, you know, no, nobody's really heard of these guys ever at this point in the draft on a Saturday evening. You know, people have. You know, it's just a bit more absolutely. of a punt, isn't it? There's, there's absolutely far less science applied to these guys than there is the rest of the draft. So, but hold on, hold know, on. Let Let me just stop you there. There is a hipster listening to the podcast right now. A hashtag true fan that is probably listening and thinking I knew exactly who this guy was I had his t-shirt I already bought the jersey before he signed there's always one absolute wanker out there who thinks that he knows who these dudes are you know what I mean it's the guys who are Man United fans who said they knew who Marcus Rashford was piss off I mean there's no way anybody knows who half of these dudes were uh, not unless your name is Apuli Shrew on Twitter there's no way I'm believing you no way but listen lads we, we're been, uh, banging on now uh, you know saying some absolute uh, top quality stuff for 40 almost 45 minutes so let's let's round her off we've looked at this sort of stuff in and out we're pretty happy with the defensive guys uh you really shocked me there andy with the running back stuff that's super interesting that's definitely something for some uh you know something for everybody to watch to see what happens with the running backs poor old chris and michael i know he's a he's a lady's name and he's a fan favorite here with me and rhino uh so let's see what happens to that poor old devil but i think he only got something like a 33 grand signing bonus so all in all andy you're happy with this and if we can squeeze a grade out of you would you give it that b or b plus so yeah, so I think uh, yeah, I think it's I'd be closer to the A minus than a B plus. I think Ooh. it's done a real good job. So I think mm. um, we you know didn't take a tight end. We talked about that. He didn't take a quarterback. We didn't talk about that. What very nearly came to fruition though was the uh, Brett Huntley trade. So it's something we haven't talked about that that was very very close. I'm hearing so really yeah. that would have been interesting, wouldn't it? So we talked mm. about it. You know, it'd be next year and all that. But actually, we weren't far off the mark. So I think the Huntley trade came very close to sort of happening so that's nuts um, uh, did, what was the rumours on that Andy who was in from they, did, they don't specify but it was all over the major networks in terms of uh, the Huntley trade was very close to happening so yeah. be interested to sort of see who that was and, and what sort of price tag was attached to him the Bears again <laughs> after the draft not even before after for no reason at all <laughs> yeah sure so you're going for uh you're going for an a minus yeah so cbs went for an a so i thought that was pretty good sports illustrated a b plus nfl.com a b plus um they gave us two a's for day one day two and then day three they gave a c which dropped us down hmm. um and as we said earlier our uk packers following the majority went for a grade a so let's face it we've done pretty well i think on this draft so far Obviously, that's all on paper, isn't it? Until they get on the field and play some football. But uh, got to be yeah, feeling think, pretty positive right now. I think on paper, um, minus the linebacker position, we have a Super Bowl winning roster. So for, in my eyes, yeah. You heard it exactly here, guys. Pretty <laughs> true said it. Pretty true yeah. said it. So uh, Yeah, so I think there's, um, there's real reasons to think that we, we'll have a good season next year. It's just that, that linebacking spot. If you know, I think this, I'm, I'm not alone in sort of banging the drum on that one, but I think if we could just get a playmaker in there we'd have a real rounded roster and we would be a pretty scary team on defense as well as offense well it's sure. been fantastic to have you on andy um it's a shame that we only get you on once a year maybe we'll rectify that in the coming season with our bi-weekly podcast but again if anybody wants some top-notch and rational packers uh, information follow at pooley shrew on twitter it's andy davies who's an ex-professional footballer um just great all-round guy uh the packers uk packers quarterback extraordinaire it's absolutely true on twitter give him a follow uh thanks for your input andy yeah thanks chaps it's been fun cheers andy well great stuff ryan look we're up there with pooley with pooley shrew uh i got my picks you got your picks he got his picks we basically nailed it is is that's the only way to sum it up we nailed it as a team didn't we yeah go team so you know what you know what time it is ryan do you know what time it is I have a feeling I do. Yeah. Play the music. <laughs> Clown of the week. Yeah, so I mean, Clown of the week, uh it was too easy this week, too easy. But it's bad run, isn't it? Because this is the second time this organization has appeared as Clown of the week and we don't want to be rehashing stuff. I mean, you know, yeah. It, the thing is, though, I mean, we want to share the award round. It's never good when the same person or same same franchise in this case wins it over and over. But we, maybe we have to have a clown of the week and a bears bears balls up of the week. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, it's too easy. And I mean, we know the bears balls up are going to be in both games that we played them in the NFC North. But 
It's the Bears again. It's the absolute Bears again. Ryan, what would you think? Probably not the Bears organization, because to be fair, I saw the pictures and the videos of the Bears fans. They were just as <laughs> miffed by the whole situation <laughs> as the rest of us. So, yeah, Bears front office to just to try and bring it down a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, there was a great moment, obviously, that video of some room somewhere in front of a big screen with lots of Bears fans with their fo- with sorry, with their cameras up in the air, ready to take the picture. And then there's this guy that's got his camera there and then the pick comes in and you just see him deflate and the arms go down and people are swearing. There's one guy there, the obviously the the absolute true fan, um, clapping and shaking, you know, and nodding his head. Oh, and, yes, bloody good, bloody good pick, Bears. Yes, right behind you. Bloody good, Chicago. Um, probably not in that accent. Um, but, you know, one guy out of a whole room. And it's so funny as well because I don't know if anybody else noticed, there's actually a Green Bay fan in there. I'm sure of it. I'm sure there's a guy sat there with a green jersey on and he's just laughing. <laughs> yeah. And I've tried to find the video again because I want to confirm it. But if anyone can back that up, I'm sure there's a Green Bay fan sat there in the Chicago Bears draft party laughing <laughs> his bottoms off. Yeah, rightly so, because let, let's just recap for people what happened. So the Bears wanted to move up one space with the Niners. One space. So moved up from uh, number three to number two, and mm-hmm. in return gave the Niners the number three pick, gave them a third round pick, number 67, gave them a fourth round pick, number 111, and a 2018 third round pick to move up one space to get a quarterback that nobody wanted. You know, yeah. it's, it's not as if they were going to pick him, right? What was it, Ryan? I mean, did, did no. Lynch just play an absolute stellar job at tricking them to think that he was going to pick him or, or what? Yeah. So all those guys, all those analysts and fans out there saying that John Lynch, oh, you know, this guy's never done it before. What does he know? How can he be a GM? Well, he just nailed his first draft mm. um, for a number of reasons, not just this, but particularly here. He must have been able to convince the Bears that there was a bunch of teams out there that wanted that pick because the I, I don't know. The Niners were going to take Trubisky, or I, I, I don't know. But the, the they must have sold it somehow, mm. um, because then not only did the Bears say we want to move up a spot, because you'd have to think if that was anywhere else in the draft, you'd move up a spot. You'd, it'd be a low round pick, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, so then the 49ers have not only said to the Bears, "Well, okay, we can swap. We kind of wanted him, uh, but yeah, all right, we'll swap." Um, they must have always so managed to convince them that either truthfully or fictionally. There was a bunch of other teams wanted that spot as well. And mm. the Bears gave up a massive amount to get which, you know, get get one of the better QBs in the draft. That's fair. But again, always sort of unproven in, until he gets on the field. But I have to say, as much as 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 much as, you know, the three of us just nailed the draft talk, um, I did not nail my uh, my evaluation of the the Glennon pick because I said that now they got that guy giving him the money you'd have to think they don't have the quarterback need in the draft well I got that wrong didn't I yeah because it turns out they gave up a whole load um, and I think it did come out that Glennon's only sort of got big money sort of guaranteed for the first year so he might be there while Trubisky sort of learns or, or whatever else um, but yeah strange situation to move up one spot and give away so much when you'd have to say based on the Bears' performances over the past few years, they've got a bunch of needs and a bunch of holes on that team. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's all these jokes about, you know, John Fox doesn't know what he's doing, and I think it was, who was it? It was Steve Sparks, maybe? Uh, came in and said that there's a joke there about the Beagle hunts foxes and the fact that John Fox's days are numbered with that type of malarkey. Because the Niners when they switched to go down to number three instead of number two, they selected defensive lineman Solomon Thomas. So it wasn't as even as if, you know, they were going to draft him themselves. And the only thing that could have happened was is that they convinced the Bears that someone else was talking to them and that they were going to move up and get him. Ridiculous. But I don't mind Mitchell Trubisky too much um, because uh, <laughs> what's ended up happening is is that people have went and dug up some of his old tweets and I'm just going to read a few of them out for you, Ryan, and let me know. This guy sounds like uh, sounds like he's the same interest as me and you. Uh, one of his tweets says, Hell yeah, go Packers. So there's a word coming out. Now, they say he's a Packers fan, but he's probably just excited about the Packers with that comeback or whatever. But th- yeah. that, that's a great tweet, right? You'd, you'd, you'd like that tweet. You, you sort it's, of... a, it's a dangerous one. I mean... Somebody like Vince Beagle, for example, as we spoke about earlier, mm. he grew up Green Bay fan, um, you know, and and now sort of plays from all the rest of it, but very, very clearly a fan um, from his very, very younger days. 
Um, the same was the pictures with like Kaepernick and 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 Aaron Rodgers growing up and, and them in their kits and so on. Um, but yeah, for this guy just a few years ago, when he must have been thinking to himself, right, I'm off to college. If that all goes well, I could be off to the big leagues. Um, probably I'll keep keep the uh, tweets about any professional club on the down low. But no, he comes straight out of it. Go Packers, and then brilliantly gets drafted by the Bears. Yeah. Uh, Wonderful story. Wonderful story. But but better than that, uh, Ryan, and this was a tweet from his on the 27th of December 2011 at 8.17pm. It's profound. It's prophetic. It's a little bit hard to understand. But here it is. I love to kiss titties. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I love love to kiss kiss titties. But in fairness, he said titties and spelled it T-I-T-T-I-E-S-S. So that's a plural of even titties themselves. So that is more than two. That's more at least three to one hundred titties. So I we've worked say. out so far that he's a playboy, yeah, and um, and a Packers fan. Is there mm. anything else on this wonderful Twitter account? He also said that he feels like a boss driving my mum's van. I mean, Ryan, who doesn't <laughs> feel like a boss kissing titties, watching the Packers, and driving the mum's van? I hope he's doing this all at the same time. This is great. <laughs> I mean, it uh. explains why he got so many titty action because, I mean, if you're in your mum's van, you are probably a high roller. Yeah, there's probably a sick incest joke in there somewhere, but I'm going to leave Yeah, so that's, that's the Bears. Um, and another saga we can put to rest, Ryan, and uh, it's where I'm tempted to drop the, the old fire thing. Uh, Adrian Peterson got signed by the Saints. Thoughts? Yeah, uh, drop it. Drop it. Play the music. Do it. Um Basically, week four, blows his knee out, end of career. See you later. Bye. Sound. Okay, so from myself, at Steve the NFL on Twitter, and of course, follow the group at UK Packers. It's me, old buddy, Ryan J. Peacock, in the studio, as usual, coming to you once a week in the off-season. Hopefully, we keep you entertained. Big shout-out to Andy Davies, our Packers draft guru, who was on last yeah. week, on Wee. this week. Oi, oi. And uh, killed it. So we're uh, getting into the real meat of it now, aren't we, Rhino? So next week we'll be back, hopefully, with some uh, more news. We won't be mentioning Adrian Peterson because that took us the bones of three sect. Um, yeah, so it's goodbye for this week. Yeah, goodbye. Somebody get me a goddamn beer. Get me a beer. <laughs>